Welcome back. We missed last week uh, because we had some folks in, in town and uh, there were all kinds of things uh, happening with the, with the start of school and, and all of that. So we missed last week, but we're back this week to wrap up our, uh, our talk about raising boys. Right. Yeah, we decided to do that because we've been so focused on the pandemic of this whole, it, it's, it continues to overwhelm our lives. You know, um, it, it certainly over, overwhelms the news cycle every day. Yeah. Um, and with the start of school, that's added a new dimension. And now we have wildfires, wildfires, fires out west. And so we have smoke in the air and COVID in the air, double whammy. And fall is coming, so that's flu season. So it seems like no matter how we want to escape um, this pandemic and, and talking about it, it keeps insinuating itself into our lives. But we thought, nevertheless, uh, we should be talking about some other things. And one of the things we decided to talk about was how we're raising our boys. Right. Yeah. The um, and we've we've sort of talked about it before um, over the past year or so. Um, we talked about it because we were, you know, with the, with the whole um, hashtag me too, uh, we were talking about that and we were talking about, you know, what, what expectations we place on boys and, um, and what all we're doing with them. And so <clears throat> we're returning to it because um, there are some more things that we need to think about as it relates to raising boys. What, what are we, what are we, what are we doing to them? What are we, what are we saying to them? What message are we, are we sending to them? And that was the focus primarily of our last podcast. We were talking about, you know, how we're raising them and how we're, um, you know, the expectations that we're placing upon them and, and, and those kinds of concerns. Right. Um, and then today we're going to talk about a little bit about what, what to do about it. How, how can we fix some of these problems? Yeah, certainly there's general agreement that uh, the boy, the challenge, raising boys um, presents us with a unique challenge. Um, we thought for a long time that since boys are advantaged, that we, we should really concentrate on raising our girls. And then in the last few years, we've learned that girls are doing quite well, but uh, our boys are encountering increasing difficulties. Um, so the last time we talked about this issue, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we uh, talked about the differences. There are biological differences between boys and girls. Um, and it seems at, at a very early age, kindergarten and on, um, and uh, early elementary school, boys are advantaged. But by middle school, so we see this male advantage in elementary school, but by middle school, suddenly boys find themselves in this sort of limbo state um, where they're afraid to deviate from what everybody thinks is what it means to be a man, okay? And so, um, so the, the challenges that boys encounter is they're more likely to be harmed by others. They struggle academically. They have more ADHD. Uh, they commit suicide at higher rates, and they're more likely to engage in criminal activities. Uh, they're more likely to be an absentee parent, and they're more likely to die from at-risk from high-risk behaviors. So even though there seems to be an early advantage, something happens in, in the teenage years that changes all this, and they are at increased risk for both mortality and morbidity. Um, and that's what we want to, so, so what can we do about this? Um, what do we need to do about it? And so that's what we want to talk about today. Right. They, they, they have these risks, yet, yet at the same time, it's, it's communicated to them, you know, very clearly that they are expected to be the leaders and that they are expected, and, and whether 
it's communicated to them in a positive way that, hey, this is what we want for you. This is what we want you to, to be able to accomplish. Or even if it's communicated to them in sort of a negative way that, you know, well, men are always the leaders and men, you know, sort of in a, um, in, in a way to communicate that we need to continue to, to, to bolster what's, what girls are doing. Either way, the message that the boys are getting is that they are supposed to be the leaders. They are supposed to be, you know, the, the top achievers. They're supposed to be, you know, in, in control at all times, um, in control of their, you know, uh, what's going on around them, but also in control of their emotions and their behaviors and all this kind of stuff. But yet, at the same time, they are experiencing these significant um, challenges uh, with the increased risk of ADHD and when you, when you think about suicide, of course, it makes you think of depression and anxiety and, and mood-related issues um, because we're not teaching them the skills that they need to cope with and to manage those life experiences. And boys are experiencing those things more and more right. um, now than they ever have before. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're a young boy, if you're a boy, um, the expectation is that you will somehow achieve one of these high level positions, whether it's in sports or business or medicine or something. And, and I, I wasn't listening to the story completely, but it made the news last week, a news headline was a woman was named CEO. And I cannot for the life of me remember the company or whether it was something to do, but it was a business anyway, a large company. The first time that a woman has ever held that position in this company and, and in any company of this size. And I can't remember the company, um, but it made me think about some of these data that suggest that 95% of Fortune 500 companies are run by men. Right. And, and so you're ex that's the expectation. Uh, 75%, we have an election coming up, okay? And, and uh, it gives you pause because 76% of the seats in Congress are occupied by men. And then it got me to thinking that, you know, most males have been favored throughout history. You know, if you have a, if you, you wanted to have a male and, and the family business or farm or fortune was passed on to the first male descendant. Right. Girls were expected to produce a dowry, um, but men were, men were the ones who received the, the, uh, the farm or the business. Um, in most cultures, men are favored over women. And in most of the world's religions, men are favored over women. You know, in the Catholic Church, only men can be priests. That's not how it started. Um, women were priests in the early days. But in the Jewish Islam, Judaism, Christianity, they're all very, very male, patriarchal religions. Okay, So there's this historical... Uh, context that men are expected to assume roles of leadership and to be in charge okay right. and so we're consciously or not that's how we're raising our men but as, as we said we pay a price for this because um 90 of the homicides are committed by males okay and uh, they're three three and a half times more likely to commit suicide life expectancy is shorter so there's a price we're paying for this concept of what it means to be a man right right so it's now, more important that we, we think about how are we going to better prepare boys for, for life, not necessarily for being leaders uh, per se, because we, you know, it is much more ideal that, uh, that those leadership roles are evenly 
um, dispersed across gender and, and race and um, ethnicities and heritage. But, um, but at the same time, you know, how do we prepare boys for being healthy men, um, men that are comfortable with who they are and, and are able to function in, you know, healthy relationships and healthy, um, a healthy society? Right. Um, yeah, one, one of the uh, writers refers to this as uh, that we're putting men in what he called the man box. Right. Okay. And, and, and that was an interesting phrase. Uh, his name is Ted Bunch. I need to find out more about him. Uh, but the way we raise boys and the expectations we have of them uh, put boys in what he calls a man box. And it's the messages like, don't cry, don't ask for help. You're always to be in charge. You're supposed to be in charge. And you're supposed to maintain control of other people and things in your life. Um, you know, there are many religions that espouse, you know, the, the man, the husband, the father makes the decisions. Right. In the family, you know, and, and, and everybody, women and wives and children are expected to, um, um, to obey uh, what the father says. And that's and you the question whether the man has any idea what he's talking about or not. Whether he has any idea what he's doing or not. That's right. right. And he may not, you know, and yet he's making decisions about the home that he may know far less about than anybody else. Or in today's culture, in our culture, both men and women work. So, so uh, you know, they have an equal share in, um, in what's going on in the household. So we have this historical tradition but it, it, it now is leading us into places where perhaps we don't want to go. Right. Um, and part of it is this whole idea of what it means to be a man. What, what does it mean to be a man and how do we do that? This has become such an issue that a few years ago, the American Psychological Association um, developed new guidelines to right. address this issue um, for psychological practice. And I think you know, their statement is traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression, is on the whole harmful. That's a pretty powerful statement because you think of this historical tradition, and yet APA is saying what we've been doing, the way we talk about raising up boys to be men, is, is they use the word harmful, and I think I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can definitely see the results of that, the, the consequences of that. Um, you know, if you go into any middle or high school, um, if you look at even in colleges, um, you, you you just look at the the rates of admission. You look at the um, you know success rates of of boys in um, in those in those settings. Um, the, the you know uh, the the most challenging example, though a true example, is look at the prison system. Um, you know. There, there are, you know, men are much more likely to engage in behaviors that, that have negative consequences. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're, we're not preparing them because we are holding fast to this out of date, um, you know, perspective of what it means to be a man. And it reminds me of what our friend uh, Frazier uh, Smith yeah. from, um, from, uh, from um, what's that? In the UK. From, yeah, from the UK, from Scotland, who who, you, who talks a lot about you know what it what it means to be a man. Uh, right. He talks a lot about that in his research and work, and he, he's he's right on that. Right. You know, we put this focus on the wrong things. Right. You know, um, I I contacted him a week or so ago, and 
said, hey, I have a question, and then didn't, but then we got sidetracked last week, but we really should have Fraser on the show. Yeah, uh, because he he keeps very he keeps up to date on this issue, and I think he has some really good insights. Yeah. But you know, it struck me preparing for this that the tradition of masculinity, the idea of of being a man, is really born of um, it almost comes out of prehistory, where you know these we had these traditional roles that that men went out and did the hunting and women stayed and took care of the kids, um, or, or we talked about religious traditions that maintained that hierarchy, that that um, that social hierarchy, and yet today it 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 not only isn't necessary, but it's actually creating a problem both for males and females. When we talk about the Me Too movement, women are victimized by this, but so are the boys because right. the boys aren't sure what is they know what's expected of them as they get into adolescence. Right. You're expected to be a real man, and if you're not, there's some serious problem. But it's creating a real problem for them because they're almost not allowed to be anything except this real man character. You know, the, the sports figure, I guess, is the idea, or the cowboy, you know, uh, goes in and rescues everybody. But um, yeah, it's harmful for both women and men. Absolutely. So what we want to do this week is talk about, okay, so what is the solution for this? What should we be doing? Um, and there's a name, Bert, I don't know whether you've ever heard of this guy. Have you ever heard of Michael Reichert? No. I, I hadn't either. I'm not terribly familiar with this literature, but apparently he and two or three other names keep coming up. Um, his name comes up and he talks um, a lot about how, how we should be changing our relationship with boys. He's the head of a some sort of a foundation um, or organization um, in uh, Pennsylvania. It's called the Center for the Study of Boys and Girls' Lives at the University of Pennsylvania. So he's a faculty member there and a specialist in this area. And he talks, his, his area of specialization is how to raise boys to be better men. Um, and this article by Susan Newman is suggestions to accomplish what Reichert sees right. as how we should be raising um, our boys. And she lists nine things that we should be doing. Yeah. And the first is, take it away. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Beware of fostering these traditional stereotypes. Okay. Right. right. They begin our, don't shame boys for wanting to play with dolls and other things that are considered girly. Um, or encouraging them to play sports. There are a lot of kids who don't like sports. Right. There are right. a lot of boys who just don't like, they don't like team sports and they may not like the whole idea of competition. It just, so don't insist. And, and it's okay if they don't like competition. They right. don't, they don't, you don't have to enjoy competition to right. be successful. Yeah, you and I come from an athletic background. We both participated in sports most of our lives, but but we sort of came into it naturally. You know, right. nobody had to, nobody forced me to do it. It was just something we did. But there are other boys who don't gravitate to that, so it's not necessary. Right. Yeah, Number two, allow your boy. I think about those parents who always who oh. say that their kid always has to be involved in some athletics, mm -hmm. and and you know. I don't know about you. My my parents never had to have that kind of expectation because no. that's what we wanted. Right. But you know, if a kid doesn't want to be right. in, in an athletic um, setting, um, mm -hmm. then then that's okay. 
there are other things. I, I do believe that kids should be involved in, in other, other extracurricular things, but there are lots of other things besides competition. That's right, exactly, right. And there are kids who are very good at a young age, but they lose interest. Right. Um, they lose interest or they can't keep up or they, they hit puberty later. I mean, my son did that. He was excellent as a young kid, but he hit puberty late in life. And so when he was 13, 14, and 15, he, he still looked like a little kid. And so though he had the athletic skills to do it, he didn't have the size to participate at that level. It would have been dangerous for him right. to participate. So it's not necessary for kids to stay on this trajectory there. They might enjoy Little League, but not want to play beyond that. Right. Perfectly okay. Uh, but you're right. They should be involved in something. Right. And that okay. goes right into, right into the second one of, of letting them follow their own path. Exactly. So you right. can't, as a parent, you can't live vicariously through your kids. You, know, right. you, can't, you can't work to, to have your kid or your son, in this case, um, you know, accomplish things that you wish you had accomplished when you were a, a, right. a child. Um, because then they're just living your life. They're not living their own life. That's right. You don't want that. Most, most of us feel that, boy, if I had just been encouraged, I could have been something, you know, I could have, right. but that's not how it works. Right. Um, so listen to what your son has to say. We tend not to listen to boys at a deep enough level. And it's, it's a very superficial conversation that occurs about sports and about being tough and about being, and we don't listen to their, to their fears and their feelings and their worries it kind of frightens us. Many parents get frightened when their boys start expressing fear or expressing worries, because again, that's not, uh, not how boys are supposed to be. Boys are supposed to be tough, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. listening, improving your listening uh, to your boys is the, is the third suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, again, being patient with them and listening to what they have to say. Boys don't always communicate um, as well as girls tend to communicate. And, and, and that is especially true when it comes to emotions. And, mm -hmm. and the next thing on the list is encouraging your son to, to show and communicate and to foster emotions um, right. in, a, in a huge spectrum of emotions. You know, we, we tend to focus so specifically on anger and, 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 and happiness. You know, those are the two main emotions that boys are allowed to, to express. Um, but there are so many more emotions that we need to teach them um, and, and, and show them how to label and, and to give a proper name to. Okay. I had never thought about that before, that um, in, in the reading that we did for this, um, it, this notion that boys are allowed to be happy or angry. And I, I hadn't really thought about that, but it's really true. You're supposed to either be happy or, and it's okay to be angry, but there's all these emotions surrounding those that we're reluctant to pursue or allow our boys to pursue. Right. So just as we should encourage them to pursue their own interests, we should also be encouraging them to express a range, a full range of emotions. Okay? Um, we want boys to be self-confident, right. and the way to do that is to let them handle their own problems. Right. Uh, you know, we can, we can help, we can participate, we can volunteer to be, a, to be help, of help, but uh, we don't want to take over for them. We don't want to solve their problems. And I think this is true for, for boys or girls. They have to learn how to solve their own problems if they're going to become confident. Yeah, I think that uh, there are some, you know, so many examples that you could use of that. But, um, you know, they talk about running interference. And um, I, I, one of the things that um, we always did with, with, with my kids is, um, you know, if, 
what you want with their self-confidence is you want them to be able to say, no, I don't want to do that. Right. Um, yeah. but a lot of times when they're building that self-confidence, it's really difficult for them to say that. And so mm-hmm. what, you know, what I always told my kids was, you know, tell them that you don't want to, but if you need to tell them that my dad needs me to do this, or my dad said, I need to do that. And that way they're still communicating with the, with their friends or whoever it is that they can't do something or they're not available, but it's not, they don't have to take the, um, the, you know, the, the sort of social or emotional hit for themselves right. to say, this was my decision not to do it. They'll right. build up to that. You mm-hmm. really want them to build up to be able to do that. But especially in the early years when they're st- still building that self-confidence, you know, run that interference for them and let them see um, how to handle those emotions mm-hmm. sort of on a, on a scaffolding, uh, from a scaffolding right. perspective. Yeah. I really like this next one. Um, my, I, it suddenly dawned on me that my children only know me as an adult, right? They've only known me with my, with my education behind me and my experience behind me. They didn't see the stupid things that I did right. when I was growing up. So one of the things that parents are advised to do, share your own stories of the embarrassments or difficulties for the mistakes that you made. It makes you more human, and it makes you know our kids look at us and say, "Well, my dad's per you know my dad doesn't make mistakes. I don't make mistakes now, but I made a thousand of them last year right. uh, or the year before." So when I was a young kid, I made the I did the same kind of stupid, dangerous, risky um, behaviors that that all kids engage in. Okay, so go ahead and let your kids know that it makes you more human. Yeah, yeah I think that I, I think that letting your kids know what you are not good at is mm-hmm. really powerful. Right. Um, I mean, it's important for my kids to know I I wasn't a straight A student. I wasn't in the gifted classes. Um, They just assumed that we have all those, but but it's not, it's not the case. Absolutely. What about um, those difficult conversations? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I I think about that so often with some families because they will not, you know, parents will not have some of those difficult conversations mm-hmm. with their right. with their kids, especially their boys. You know, they'll sit down and talk about emotions and feelings and things like that all day long with their daughters, but they will um, avoid those, perhaps with their daughters, but maybe not even <laughs> with them. Um, right. But they, they certainly don't do that um, mm-hmm. with their boys. You know, they right. kind of assume that boys are going to understand how to handle relationships with girls. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're going to uh, assume that their boys know or, or that they aren't even paying attention to the fact that the parents aren't getting along very well anymore and, and those kinds of things. And so we want to make sure that we are engaging in those conversations with the boys, you know, right. talk right. to them about it, let them know. And we have to bring them up. We have to bring, I mean, as difficult as it is, you have to keep probing, you have to keep bringing it up. They're not, they're probably, I doubt that kids are going to ask you, Hey dad, could we have that conversation? No, right. but you have to keep probing because if you don't, they're going to get the information elsewhere and that information is probably not going to be accurate or the information that you want them to have. So don't shy away from those difficult conversations. Right. Um, say, I love you. I, I really like this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's so know. important that we communicate to our boys how we feel about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, letting them know that you love them, letting them know that you're proud of them and that, you know, even when they don't do well, or even if they choose not to do what you want them to do, right. you know, mm-hmm. tell them, make sure that they know that, they, that you love them and not, well, he knows, I, he knows I love him. Right. No, no, you know, tell him, let make sure that he knows, be, be okay. very overt about it. Mm-hmm. 
And, but as you do all this, and, the, and I, I'm glad they saved this one for last, exercise your authority as a parent, okay? Uh, set limits, provide guidance, um, have clear boundaries, um, hear your son out when he misbehaves. You have to be able to talk about these things. You, right. they, they have to be able to, teenagers tend to get in trouble, little kids tend to get in trouble, but I don't want children we don't want our boys to be afraid right. to admit that they did something wrong, to admit that they made a mistake, to admit that they have fears, to admit that they have odd thoughts about things. We want them to bring those things to us. You know, Dad, I, I screwed up. I, I forgot my chemistry book and I failed my last chemistry exam. Okay, that's not that's not a cause for punishment or retribution. That's a discussion, that's a full discussion you should be having with your son. Because when he wrecks the car or when he destroys something, you want him to be able to come to you and say, dad, look, I made a mistake. And then you, you work on it to fix it together. Yeah, absolutely. Because the mistakes only get bigger as they go along, you know? So learn these, learn how to communicate with your kids when the mistakes are small. Dad, I spilled my juice on the floor. Well, you're not going to get punished. We're going to go clean it. Okay, right. that's the message you want to give them. Yeah, um, and I think that that those those key factors fall into and, and inform some of the other things. We have a couple of other articles that we're going to post as well, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the things that you'll you'll be able to see in those articles kind of mirror and and, and can be um, you know are extrapolated from these these nine that we just went through. Because right. what you I think that one of the things that all, most so much of it comes down to is true communication. Um, you know, letting them know that um, you know what it what it really means to be an adult male. What does it really mean to be an adolescent male? Um, letting them know that you care about them and that you um, are okay with their strengths and you're okay with their weaknesses. You know, letting them know that you're you accept them no matter what, no matter who they are no matter what, who they think that they are trying to figure out who they are. That's All right. The, uh, ambiguities there. Um, yeah. but, but be interested in their life and be interested in who they are mm-hmm. instead of who you want them to be. Right. And, and I think all of that comes, you know, when you follow those nine um, ideas, I think so much can come from that. Right. And that's the second article that we, we include is from the Washington Post. Um, it sort of uh, supports, it's, it's six suggestions that are really supportive of the previous uh, nine that we just did. But there are, there's one in particular mm-hmm. that I think is very useful, um, maybe two. And, and she refers to it as engaging in high yield interactions. And I really like this first one, and that is your relationship must be more it must be more than just about grades and behavior. And I think that so often we get stuck in this rut dealing with our kids that it's all about how they're doing in school and whether or not they're being well behaved. Um, the process of maturation, the process of growing up is a process of making mistakes and, and stubbing your toe and falling down and getting up and failing. And so, if, but if we make our whole relationship, and I think many, many of us are guilty of that, that we make our whole relationship about how well you're doing in school, how well you're doing in athletics, where are you on the tennis team, where are you in the baseball team, are you making the team, that we forget about there's a person underneath that 
who also needs our support. And the last one she says is to be accepting and not judgmental. Be accepting of this child. Remember, they're struggling. You said it a few minutes ago. They're struggling more than we are. I mean, we want them to turn out a certain way. But my goodness, they're going through the struggle of learning how to grow up. So the second article, we don't have to go through each one because they're, they're a little repetitive, but I think those are two really, really good points that she makes. Um, there's, a, there's another one that's not comical, but sort of, sort of comical, and that is things you must never do when raising a boy. Okay, and I thought this was an interesting perspective. Um, it was uh, an article from 2017 in, uh, from the Good Men Project. Um, that's, a, that's another one of these um, efforts to um, change the way we're raising our boys. And she has um, eight things you should never do. Uh, I think two, four, yes. First one is expect them to be emotionally tough. And this is that idea that they have to be more than happy or angry. Okay, so don't expect them to be emotionally tough. Boys are not, I don't think any boys are emotionally tough. I think they lose their ability to express a range of emotions over time, but I, I don't think there's that big a difference between boy, biologically between boys and girls. I think boys have these feelings, but they're, it, it's socialized out of them mm -hmm. over time. Second, assume that they'll never be victims. That's a mistake you make because clearly they're going to be. Right. They're going to be somewhere in school, on the athletic fields, um, somewhere they're gonna be victims, right. both of relational aggression with girls and physical aggression with boys. Um, don't assume, they're, don't pressure them to get into sports. And we talked about that earlier. Um, not all kids are cut out for athletic competition there are many other activities that kids can be engaged in. It doesn't have to be athletics. Um, don't pressure them to grow. Don't, a mistake you would make is to pressure boys to think that they're gonna grow up to date girls. Don't pressure them with that expectation because many of them are not going to. Um, don't assume that they're never gonna harm anybody. Right. Okay, um, because they might. Um, Another one is don't make jokes about body parts. Right. Uh, you know, it, we, we have, especially men have that tendency, um, but it's not funny and we don't want- We don't know the if, consequences. We don't know the long-term consequences of those. That's right. If I, as a parent, model the behavior that it's okay to make jokes about male or female body parts, mm -hmm. I'm modeling a behavior that I'm, I'm sort of unleashing a behavior and I don't know where it's going to end, but it's, it's, it's a good thing not to do. Okay? Right. And I think that's really, really sound advice. It's important to remember that Freud always said that there are no jokes. Right. That's right. So that's when, it, when it comes to boys, raising boys, you know, many times what we see as jokes are taken as, well, that's just a right. joke about a reality. That's right. Right. So if really be an issue. Exactly. Yeah. I want one, one of the messages we want to give our kids is that you should respect women's bodies. Right. You know, they, they, you are supposed to respect them. Well, if, if, if kids are raised on a steady diet of jokes about bodies, they're, they're not going to do both. They're going to hear one of those messages. And so the best thing is just avoid that, avoid those, those jokes altogether. And the other thing to avoid is if you stop hugging and snuggling as they grow older. Even older boys, teenagers and beyond, 
need to be snuggled and hugged and loved and hear those love messages. Okay, so um, these are eight things you shouldn't, you should never do when you're raising boys. Absolutely. And then the last article is by Steve Budolf. We talked about him last week. And his article, this article is an update and it's how you should deal with boys during the pandemic. What, what kind of thing, so it's timely. The reason I included this in here is because the advice he gives for the pandemic is stuff that we should be doing all the time, okay? And so um, I, we don't have, we're not gonna discuss it in detail, but it's, it's worth looking at because if you're raising a boy and you're kind of being socially isolated or spending a lot more time inside the home and with other family members, these are things that you should be doing. But everything he talks about should be occurring after the pandemic as well. Okay, so it's good advice from a guy who knows a lot. This is the Australian guy. He knows a lot about raising boys. So, right. And some of which of it is, is and can be extrapolated from the ones that we've talked about already. Right. Um, but, but, you know, you, you just want to be mindful. I think that the bottom line is you really want to work and be mindful of what the potential long-term consequences of your actions are, how you're interacting and expecting things from your son. Mm -hmm. What are the long-term, what is that going to look like when he's eight, when he's 15, when he's 25? What is it right. going to look like at those different ages? Because it is going to change. And you know what you say to him when he's eight is going to create a foundation upon which things when he's 15 and when, you know, as he continues to age, right. how the other things are going to be built. Right. And I think the whole idea of, of men modeling what they want is, is so critical here, okay. is that as a father, you have to model the behavior you want your son to uh, demonstrate. Right. And as you say, don't forget that it might be funny at five, right. but it may not be funny at 18 or 19, you know, when they're doing it in a college dormitory. So keep in mind that there's, there's a, a long process here that you have to be mindful of. Absolutely. And the things that you do now are going to uh, continue uh, continue on as they mature and develop and move into other places. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, there there, there oh. is always, as with always, there's there's so much more to say. Um, right. Many more facets with this, and and we'll we'll return to this topic again um, in the future to to express and explain. But I think you know the two main things are one is we want our boys to treat females differently. Because there's still, a, you know, we talk about the Me Too movement, but certainly before and after the Me Too movement, we want our boys to treat women with respect, okay, to respect their bodies and respect everything about them. But we also want to help our boys deal with the difficult, the difficulty of being confronted by traditional masculinity. So there are benefits to girls, but there are also benefits to the boys themselves because they are struggling with this dichotomy between what they really are and what they think they need to be. Right. And so there's two really good reasons, one for the boys and one for the way they treat other people, not just girls, but how they treat other people. Okay. Absolutely. So these are, these have important implications. Absolutely. So, and we, we should probably get Frazier here to talk more about this. He knows a lot about it. So definitely. Yeah. We'll, here. Reach we'll reach out to him. So, mm -hmm. all right. Well, I think then that that is it for today. Um, we'll, we will be back next week. Um, we will. With talking about some more things. Uh, not, not exactly sure. We have lots of topics and we actually have some people that we're working to, to set up interviews with. So um, 
we'll, we're going to be trying to get some of those things rolled out here over the next few weeks. And so um, got a lot of exciting things happening um, as long as we can stay on schedule. So um, we promise to do better. We, we keep promising. We promise to do better. I think that, well, we don't know what the fall is going to look like, but, um, but football season has started. So everybody's relaxing a little bit about that. Um, because you know, everybody, no, the other football. I'm sorry, the other football season has started. That's right. Yeah, it's American football. So. American football. All right. Well, that is it for today. Uh, until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>